Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray as we come to you this Advent season. We pray for your Holy Spirit to open up our hearts and our minds, that we be open to you at work amongst us, that we see you at work. We pray that we gain clarity of what it means to be your disciples and that we let go of things that impede us in our relationship with you and our relationship with others where you want us to be. Lord, give us the time that we need. Help us not to be consumed by the busyness, but rather help us to be consumed by your grace, your love and your mercy. And speak to us in the next few moments. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. As we begin Advent season, it's a bit of a challenge, particularly if you have a a theology and approach that says God is present. God is present with us because that's what we believe. God is present with us. Jesus made this promise that he's going to be with us to the very end of the age, if you go to Matthew chapter 28. And we have this understanding, particularly within our denomination, and many others have a similar understanding, that God is present with us through his word. God is present with us through his sacraments. God is present with us through his church community, people like you and me. God is present with us. And yet when we come to Advent, we seem to have this message, this story of we're longing for Jesus' presence. We're longing for Jesus to be present with us. And maybe it's about thinking about, yes, God is present, but maybe we get so consumed with life, we have a focus on how we think things should be, we get so stressed about the traffic, about other things that need to happen, about our ideas of how life should be, that we actually are not seeing God present. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this desire of longing for God is also a recognition that, yes, God is present with us, but he's not, we're not fully experiencing him, which we will when he comes again at the last times. We will fully experience this love and this grace and there won't be the problems that we face. Our reading for today is one of reminding us that at the last times, things could get difficult. But in those days, the following, that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Have you ever had that experience in your life? Have you ever felt the world's falling apart? Life is terrible. Things are not going well. I have. Sometimes I thought, where is God? Sometimes I've gone, God, hurry up and act. Sometimes I've been concerned. Well, as a pastor and also as a Christian, one of the things I've noticed is that some people... Some people have needed the disaster in their life to refocus them back on God, to recognise that God is there to help them. One gentleman once told me his story and he said, I wouldn't be in this church except I had a major car accident, which meant I lost my car, I lost a family member and I was in a terrible place mentally. And the only place I could think of turning to was God and initially I was blaming him. 
But then I soon realised that through the church community and through God, my time with God, God was actually helping me and encouraging me. And so our verse doesn't stop at the disaster. It doesn't stop at the problems of the world. It continues because it says this, at that time people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Maybe one of our problems in seeing God or seeing the goodness of God is we are consumed with the goodness of life. Who's looking forward to Christmas? I love Christmas, right? I used to love, there's certain things I love about Christmas, right? There's a lot of good things, there's a lot of joy. I go into the supermarkets and the music's a bit more upbeat and I can actually sing the songs, right? I love the food, although this year I'm going to probably love it less. But I love the food, right? And there's certain food that comes out at Christmas. My wife says if those little, now how do I say it, those biscuits, Fanassins, you know the Fanassins, the little biscuits you buy? They seem to only come out at Christmas. Right? She says, buy more packets. Right? The food is great. Come in, come in. Um, I love the Christmas and the joy. And we can sometimes get consumed. Some people I know in this church and other churches get so consumed with Christmas, they say, oh, Pastor, we're not coming to Christmas because I've, I've got to get Christmas lunch ready and I've got friends and family coming. I'm not coming. And I sometimes wonder, if Jesus is so good, why are you not coming to celebrate that? Why are you not inviting your friends to come and celebrate with us and to know more about the love of God? Because sometimes of all the goodness that's around us, we can forget of God. We can push God aside. And for some people, it's only when a disaster happens that brings us back to listen to God's goodness. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. People will have a hope. But I've got a question for you, and it's about the concept of hope. How do you perceive hope? What do you think hope is about? Is hope just a feeling? Is hope a feeling for you? Or an idea? Maybe even an outlandish idea. Like, I could hope I'm going to lose 25 kilos by the 25th of December. Right? I could hope... But I also know making that statement, it's probably not going to happen. And because it's not going to happen, I'm probably going to eat that bit of chocolate cake that I shouldn't have. I could hope, or is it just a feeling? Or maybe you're like some football supporters. You only have hope when good things are happening. I remember going to a game at the SCG and Essendon will play in Sydney and Essendon were up by about 40 points at the start of the last quarter. And people started to leave. Sydney Swan supporters started to leave the ground. Now, I have learnt my lesson. Never leave until the siren's gone. So these people are leaving. And they're whinging and mining. Our team's terrible. Buddy Franklin should retire. All this negative stuff. All negative talk. And what happens? Sydney Swans won by a point. And I was hugging people I'd never knew. And they were hugging me. I felt like saying, you're hugging a pastor. But there was hope that people had lost hope and a few of us had hope that things might happen, even though we probably went, this is pushing it uphill. 
And some people live like that. They only hope when good things are happening. They only have excitement. They only want to be involved with church when it's all exciting and good. They only want to be doing stuff when it's good and things. But what about the Christian lifestyle of hope? Could you possibly see hope being a way of life? A way of life for you where the life is great, whether it's ordinary, whether it's terrible. Could it be that what God calls us to is a life of hope, no matter what's happening? And if you read through the New Testament, you see the context of Christianity being one of life is pretty average at best for many people. They get persecuted, they've got troubles, there's threats of death, things are not going well. And they still have hope. And why do they have hope? Because hope comes from their relationship with God. Hope for us as Christians is about tapping into God and allowing him to fill you with hope. Think about if your car is empty. Or think about if you're like the bishop and have an electric car. And it's just about running dry. He can't just say, oh yeah, it'll fill up by itself because he hasn't got a hybrid. He'd have to plug it in. Well, this is where we gain hope. We gain hope by plugging it in, plugging into God. Romans chapter 5 verse 5 says, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has, given, has been given to us. God's love gives us hope. When we look at the cross of Christ, when we think about baby Jesus and this story that goes over 33 years on earth that leads to Christ dying on the cross for us and paying for sins, that's God's love. That's what gives us hope. It's not that everything's going well at the moment, but there is a future to look forward to because of God. And in 2 Thessalonians we hear, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope. Christian hope is about living, relying on God and about looking forward to the future. Just no matter what is happening. So if hope comes from God... If hope comes from God, a question for all of us to keep thinking about is this. How does God shape our hope with his promises? I think the challenge for many people, many people who have, I'll say, a surface level Christianity, a Christianity that's one of, hasn't gone deep into God's promises, tend to get disappointed. Some who have left Christianity, and I've met some, Part of their story has been things like, why did God allow my son or my father to die early? I've lost hope in God because of that. Or why didn't God give me the job that I've been praying for? Or at least give me a good job that I've been praying for? Or why doesn't God make me rich? Or why doesn't God do X for me? Why does God allow bad things happen to certain people? 
A lot of it's about earthly things. But here's the encouragement for us, is we are called to have hope in an eternal thing, the promises of God. And so that means engaging with God, that means connecting with God, means listening to God and listening to what he promises us. And so what does it mean to live hopefully when we're facing trouble? Now, one of the best advices I got many years ago um, from a mentor, and this was, he, he was a Christian mentor, he said, look, there'll be heaps of bad stuff going in the life throughout the world, right? And we have it now, haven't we? We've got wars going. And some people are getting consumed by these wars, right? They're getting consumed by it, worrying about it. And he said, you can pray about it. Think about what you can do about it. But a lot of this big stuff we get consumed of, the troubles, we can't do a lot about except put it into God's hands. However, focus on where you're at. Focus on the people you're at. Focus on what you can do when those big things are happening. And focus on Jesus. Because most of the troubles that consume us today, the problems, they're short-term earthly troubles. Listen again to this reading that we had at the start. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, and at that time people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So instead of focusing on the troubles, because when we focus on the troubles, we can become quite negative, we can become quite despondent, we can become quite disappointed, we can become quite angry, we can become quite focused on ourselves. We can even become quite protecting, trying to protect ourselves and push other people away. Our text today calls us to focus on Jesus. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. As Christian community, sometimes we can get despondent because if we look at the stats in Australia, things are not going as good as they used to. But what I love is being part of congregations where they're going... All right, this is where we're at. Let's try something. Let's focus on Jesus and see where that leads. To live hopefully when there is trouble, it means focusing beyond today. It means focusing on Jesus and eternal life. It means making Jesus the central thing and not the other peripheral things, no matter how good they may be. And when we do that, the first thing that happens is we start to remember our real home is not this place on earth. Our real home is eternity with God. And if it's real home is eternity with God, our strong hopes are then shaped by eternity and not earth. Yes, we've got to deal with problems. We've got to deal with issues. But when we focus on Jesus, we start to deal with issues in a way that helps us connect with Jesus and helps other people around us connect with Jesus. To give you an example um, of this, someone once told me they used to get consumed about their mortgage. They got so consumed about their mortgage, they used to work harder and longer, and money was their number one thing. 
And they said not only did they work harder and longer, they became what we would call tight with their money. Misers with their money. And that also meant that they were suspicious of anyone who wanted to be their friends because they thought their friends might ask them for money. And that also meant they were so focused and they become, this became their consumed. Their, in other words, their mortgage and money was their idol. Now, it's good responsibility to pay your debts, right? But they had a miserable life. They didn't worship regularly because of it, because they became so consumed with work. And then they ended up stressed and even their marriage was in a problem. I'm not quite sure what happened because I wasn't involved in their life at that stage, but they said something happened where they realised that this earth, this house is only a temporary thing. This house will soon disappear. They're not going to have this house in heaven. And so they then focused more on Jesus. And they prayed, they worked it, and their responses started to change. Worship was their priority. Devotions daily were their priority. Listening to Jesus. And they said it was a real struggle because they had this worry and this burden on them initially. And then they started to pray and think about and they were able to deal with their problem because eventually they sold that house because they realised they made that an idol above everything else. And they'd bought something more manageable financially. And it wasn't because they wanted to make that new house the new idol, but it was simply because they had this focus on eternity. And the way they dealt with people was they were more generous, they were more welcoming, and they were more happy in their life. Because their strong hopes weren't focused on things of this world, but on their relationship with God. And then when, to live hopefully when there's trouble, by focusing on Jesus, we will see bad things in a different light. We will look at bad things in a different way. We will see bad things in my favourite, one of my favourite Bible verses comes from Genesis 50. It comes from the story of Joseph, which we shared with a confirmation yesterday, where Joseph, who has been sold, who has... He's like Joseph was. You could say Joseph brought a bit of his pain on himself because he was a little bit smart, Alec, right? And he put himself above his brothers. And the brothers thought we're going to get back at him. We're going to sell him. But they sold him. They told the father he'd been killed. There'd been a major problem in all that sort of life. Um, And then many years later, what happens? The brothers are in trouble. They go to Egypt. They go to get help. And who do they meet as second in charge? Joseph. Now, if Joseph had an earthly perspective, what would he have done? Good, I can get back at him. But he had this godly perspective and he makes this comment. What you intended for bad, God will use for good. And a similar sort of passage is in Romans chapter 8. We're out of anything God can do good. And so the question for us when we have this earthly hope, and this has changed my perspective of life, when a bad thing happens, 
the question is, what good can God do now? What good can God do now? Not in a negative way, but what good? What can I expect God? Can I see God doing? And part of the problem is when I ask that question, often the next thing happens is, maybe God wants to do some good in this situation through me. And so to live, hopefully, when we see bad things happening, it's not about us being the victim or going, oh, this is a problem. Ah, this is God's fault. Why doesn't he get off his butt and do something? It's about us going, let's see what God can do in this, good God can do in this situation. And that can change not only us, but we can also bring God's love and grace into difficult situations to people. And lastly, lastly, when we live with a focus on Jesus, to live hopefully during trouble, we will look forward to the end of time. We'll look forward to Jesus returning. Now, whenever I say to some people, oh, look, end of times, I'm, I don't mind. Right? Some people get a bit worried. Some people go, oh, I can't read that Revelations book. That's scary. And I usually say, well, go and read chapters 21 and 22. That's worth reading. But one of the privileges I've had as a Christian, as a pastor, is to be with people who are on their last weeks, last days on earth. And one lady I remember vividly, where she's there and I said, how are you feeling? She goes, I'm just looking forward. I just wish God would hurry up. I want to meet Jesus. I'm just looking forward to meeting Jesus. Because she has this hope in Jesus rather than being worried about it. So with that in mind, I want you to turn to some people around you. We're going to do some faith talk. We're going to spend the next five minutes just talking to some people around. Get in the groups of three to five. And talk about this question. How does having hope in Jesus affect the way you live, no matter what is happening today? Invite your next five minutes to turn some people around you. Hopefully they're not just your people you live with. um, And share this story. Talk about this. How does having hope in Jesus affect the way you live, no matter what is happening today? Thank you very much for the discussion. Um, when you think about hope, you know, when we think about Christian hope, I want to leave you with these final thoughts. Hope in the future with Jesus brings life and energy for us today. As we focus on the real meaning for life, the internal promises of God. As you think about Christmas, right, there's many things we can think about Christmas, but if we think about Christmas is really a celebration of celebrating and praising God for giving us Jesus Because what Jesus gives us is a future. Let us pray. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life you have given us. We thank you for the hope you make possible. We pray for your Holy Spirit to be with us throughout our lives, but especially throughout this season leading up to Christmas, that we may know your love and your grace, that amongst the troubles that we see and hear about and face, that we still live as people of of hope, bringing your grace, bringing your love, bringing your hope to others. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that you are far stronger than sin. Thank you that you are far stronger than the problems of this world. And thank you that our future depends on you and not us. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.